Welcome back to the show, guys. You guys are hitting the backboard, our weekly NBA podcast where we talk about basketball life and things that we like to talk about. My name is Pat. I'm only flying with Carlo this week. So, Carlo, how have you been, hey. buddy? It's been a bit. We took a little it's bit of a been break. A quite long time. I mean, off season is way too long. I, I don't know. I did not. I, I don't know how I was able to keep my sanity in check up to now. I mean. But uh, you know, uh, season just started. I'm back to my comfort zone. Let's see how it goes. Yeah. Um, the first, the first few games are quite interesting. I'm just happy there's basketball every day. Even though, like, interestingly enough, uh, all of the basketball channels here in the Philippines they lost rights to show uh, basketball NBA games. Oof, if you didn't know. That's... Yeah, I was able to catch up on that. I mean, I mean, I'm pretty sad because um, we we normally watch the NBA you know, uh, at home during during the weekends, and NBA TV, NBA Premium TV. That's the, that's those are the only channels that we rely on because um, uh, the experience of having the actual uh, basketball commentators in from the US. I think it's much better. I mean, I'm not. I'm not taking uh, jabs at uh, our local community. Please do. Please feel free to take oh, jabs. Right. All right. All right. Right. Yeah. Because when we when you when you were listening to you know the American commentators, they actually talk about basketball, right? Yeah. I mean, what 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 what's currently happening on the court? They interpret it on a uh, layman's kind of way. That's why we're we're able to understand what was happening on the court. Meanwhile, uh, for local for local commenters, I mean, I don't know. I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't. It's it's just like they're just narrating, narrate narrating how the plays unfold. I mean, they don't really give that much in-depth comments on on the plays. That's why our basketball knowledge. Knowledge. If you're just playing, if you're just listening to the local broadcast, it's kind of limited. I mean, it's it makes basketball look so simple for you. I mean, it's okay if you think about that way. But you know, I think it's it's much fun to watch basketball if you know what's happening behind the scenes. Like, why do this player move move from here to that place? I mean, that, I think that's I think it's um, more fun to watch basketball if you know why are they doing those plays. Yeah, it, it, I think if you talk about the play-by-play commentators. I think, uh, you know, it's different flavors, right? Because mm-hmm. in the Philippines, it's more playful and more casual. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, you look at the NBA, it's more professional, right? So that mm-hmm. there's like a contrast of styles already from both ends. And then uh, what really sets uh, the broadcasts of the local channels to the, uh, the official broadcast is the color commentators. Because it's not every day that you can get a Hall of Famer in the NBA right next to you, like Reggie Miller. Like, he's been there. He, he's literally been there. He knows the experience. He knows what kind of plays the coach will tell a, a, a run plays. He knows which plays the coach will run in certain situations. And, mm-hmm. like, based on situations, he knows what you should do so he's gonna say oh yeah. this player should move here he should set a down screen and then move to the other side once the screen once he the other player hits him so yeah that's pretty that's, I think that's the biggest difference so it's kind of sad uh, that we can't watch uh, although exactly. NBA Philippines re- uh, did something pretty cool today on their social media outlets uh, they showcased the LA Lakers versus the LA Clipper game for free they streamed it on uh, Facebook yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. I I saw some of my friends watch watch it on the uh, Facebook Live or the, I I mean the Facebook Watch uh, application for it's, it's not actually an application but just a part of Facebook. But you know, it's uh it's a good thing that they they did you know they did their part. But I think maybe it's time for us to you know to. Uh, to appreciate more what the NBA actually has to offer. Hmm. Of course, yeah, we are a basketball yeah, yeah. country anyway, so yeah. I think we get it. Mm-hmm. I think we'll get it. 
Uh, in other news, uh, more normie news, uh, Elon Musk, uh, you wanted to talk about this. Uh, when I asked you what you wanted to talk about, you immediately said Elon Musk. Uh, wow. <laughs> you literally the did. The guy isn't even a basketball fan, but it's okay. Let's talk about it. I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's kind of curious because uh, I think that's the future. That's that's looking forward to the future. And, uh, it's, it's so cool, you know, being able to connect to an internet that you don't see, where you don't see where the actual device is. I mean, wait, hold on, slow down, where, slow down, slow down, slow down. What happened? Well, he just tweeted. He tweeted something using his own satellite internet. Mm-hmm. Because normally we usually have our home internet, our work internet. It's just like regular Wi-Fi. I mean, it goes through wires, right? Yeah, it, it goes to wires. And they we also have this mobile Wi-Fi that, uh, you know, the internet uses the uh, telephone stations, right? I mean, no, not actually telephone stations, but, you know, uh, communications towers spread across the countries and meanwhile this billionaire somehow tweets <laughs> something using internet not from telephone towers not from his home wi-fi but he used the satellite freaking satellite man he I built it I, himself he built it himself i don't know what what kind of device did they manage to construct with that his wi-fi is literally ups on space yeah i'm not sure if that's how it works maybe uh maybe he uses a wire i don't know not really a wire maybe he uses a uh, wi-fi router that's able to connect to space that's that so technically (laughs) yeah it's still in space but i think i think it's kind of cool you know uh, if we're if we get to have those all over the place, I mean, you can connect to into the internet whenever you want. Mm. You can watch basketball wherever we want. Damn, dude! Really? That's so that's so cool. I mean, we're not just constrained by our pre, our country's bad mobile Wi-Fi, and you know, it's a it's, it's a great it's a it's a fun prospect to imagine you can even if you're even if you're on a remote location in the philippines you can still be able to watch basketball i mean that's pretty cool yeah that's that's in contrast in contrast to what we already have which is uh towers right we get Mm -hmm. our signal from towers so instead of getting it from towers we're getting it from satellites from space which is like i don't know how long we're gonna have until that happens but here's something uh, i i don't think that you might know so uh, I was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast mm-hmm. and then I think it was Neil deGrasse Tyson that was on because you know he's a popular figure so I figured I would yep. listen to the episode and he was so concerned about the amount of space rubble that we have in space so apparently we just leave it all in space because we have no way to dispose it like mm-hmm. if we have like parts that fall off of uh, certain satellites or certain uh, spaceships that we send up in space if they lose some of their material some of their uh, the like like their parts they just leave it up in space and yeah, now it's becoming it a concern because i think pretty soon we won't be able to send uh, spacecrafts outside uh, like the like uh, just outside the earth because it's gonna hit too much uh, space rubble well actually yeah that's the thing I actually I was actually surprised that he that it's starting to be it's just now that it's gonna be a, it, there's it's just starting to be a concern because uh, if you're if you, if you look at back at history we used to send so much stuff outside space that usually calms down but um, the concern is valid. But the plan, how how does he actually plan to you know how Fix do he plan it. to dispose it? Yeah, yeah. Did he mention something like that? No, he 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 said it's a genuine concern and we should do something about it. Unfortunately, it's not really high up on the priority list of things to mm-hmm. do in space. So yeah, we're not actually a seafaring species as of now, but. If if we're if you if we're gonna to take a look at it from a layman's point of view, I ha- actually I actually have an idea. What if we just you know, you know, just pack all those space rovers and send them forth toward the sun? Would it be easier? Um, 
that's a lot of I stuff. Mean, <laughs> I mean, Elon. I mean, Elon Musk actually sent a car outside to space. Oh man, yeah. I don't know. That's. I think it, this is like, this is con- We can't even clean up our own disposable rubble on Earth. Well, How true, are we yeah. supposed to clean up uh, like on the space rubble? <laughs> that's true. That's true. The space on Earth isn't that a, as if the space on Earth isn't enough. We send all some of our trash outside outside into space. Hmm, kind of makes right. you imagine. I'll I'll close this uh this topic off by uh, quoting. I think it was Neil deGrasse Tyson again in the same interview. He said, and I may be misquoting him. He said, if we spent the same, um, if we spent ten billion dollars. To go to Mars, why can't we spend ten billion dollars fixing the Earth? Well, yeah, he's right. right. It's absolutely he's right. right. Yep. And I told you uh, for the last non-basket basketball topic that we'll uh, go through for today. I told you you'd be very interested in this. So, mm, yeah, are you ready? Yeah. Hit me. The Washington Nationals beat the Houston Astros in Game <sighs> One of the World Series, five to four. Garrett Cole got hit around. He got hit around. Oh my god. You know, I stopped watching baseball right after the Yankees and the Dodgers lost. Because those are the two teams I was rooting for to go into the World Series. Yeah. And if you if you remember, you know, the both of those teams, I used to root for them back when I was just starting. You know, just starting to get into the Major League Baseball. But the problem is, you know, those are fairly rich, rich teams. Sure. And if you know, if you know me, all the teams that I support, you know, they mostly use the farm system. Hmm. They they develop their own players. They don't buy much. I mean, the both the Dodgers and the Yankees are like the antithesis of that concept because Yankees they buy they everybody. They pay, they, they actually buy everybody and they yeah. pay everybody huge amounts of money. I mean, yeah, their farm system is actually quite decent, but you know, they still try to attract, you know, the good the players with with big names. I mean, you have John Carlos Stanton and um, Aroldis Chapman. Yeah. Although Aroldis Chapman was already on their on their uh, on their team before, but you know, he's a close to of, of course, he gets a load of uh, after a Mo? ton of amount of money. Was he just after a Mo? After Mo, yeah. Mm, no, I think not. I think not. Yeah. Okay. But um, I roll this chap. I, I don't think he will. I mean, I don't. I think no one will be able to fill uh, the shoes that Mo had. Oh no! Yeah, I for mean, sure. He's he's the reason they lost to the Astros. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you if you watch the game, it's so frustrating because he threw. He 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 hits he through. It, it was Altuve. That right? It was Altuve's grand yeah. home run. The thing is, they cannot hit his fastball. His fastballs are like a beast. It almost goes up to like 104 miles mm-hmm. per hour, and then he tries to get sexy with Altuve. Tries to go for two sliders, two consecutive sliders, and the rest is history. <laughs> right. So yeah, let's let's yep. uh let's go back to the the uh the World Series. So. Uh, it was actually uh, Juan Soto for the Washington Nationals. That's their cleanup. Uh, he hit uh, three for four with three RBIs and uh, yeah, just one run. Uh, ironically, Max Scherzer, the starting pitcher for the Washington Nationals, pitched five innings only. Uh, he struck out seven and had two earned runs. Compared to Garrett Cole, they let him pitch uh, seven innings, but he got hit around five earned runs. Well, that's that's a huge, that's a huge, you know, huge trust placed upon him by the. I don't know what the, what the name of the manager is for the Astros. I don't, I don't, I don't care about the Astros. I fucking hate that. Bunch. <laughs> yeah. Don't you feel like they're kind of the underdog that they they're not the big no, name team. No, they're not. They're a big name team. I mean, don't say that. They're not. They're not underdogs. I, the Nationals are the underdogs. I mean, they, 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 they just lost their star player. Or can he? We, can we even consider Bryce Harper a star player? Because no. right after he left, the Nationals just went to the to the World Series. Thanks I mean, to the one, don't, so don't get me wrong. Bryce Harper is a good player, for sure. He he's just kind of like Kyrie, man. He's got the ego. Mm. He's a good player, yeah. but he's got the ego. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. 
unfortunately for him, his replacement is much better. Yikes. Yikes. <laughs> Alright, so uh, looking ahead, game two, it's going to be tomorrow at 8 a.m. Philippine time. I wonder who's uh, pitching for tomorrow. Um, I believe it should be... I think there's going to be a verlander Strasbourg. Uh, pitching matchup which is gonna be pretty wait I'm not cool. sure I'm not sure if it's Verlander maybe it's uh, Peacock Brad Peacock or uh... I'm trying to find is out it... but I can't because it's always because it's always um, Verlander first then uh, Peacock I don't know then Jared Cole or maybe Zach Green. Maybe Zach. Maybe Zach's gonna pitch. Man, oh no, Zach. it's Verlander. It's, it's Verlander. Verlander, right? It's Strasburg Verlander. Yep. Oh yeah, that's gonna be freaking like it. Mm-hmm. Like for older guys like us, that's gonna be pretty freaking sweet to watch. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, I, I don't know. Does Verlander? What? Hello. You cut Hello? off a bit. All oh, right. Wait, sorry. You said does Verlander? Does he does he does he get old? I mean, he plays so well every postseason. That's, I don't. His not, arms are. He's not what he used to be. He's not he, the best pitcher in the world anymore. Well, in your opinion, who's the best pitcher in the world right now? Oof, oof, <laughs> oof. Is it Ryu Hyunjin? <laughs> no. He's damn he's good though. A, He's good, but it's just one year. It was yeah. just good for one year. Yeah, Maybe he got lucky. I haven't had, I haven't watched enough baseball to have a proper opinion. So yeah, I mean, everybody, everybody's saying it's Max Scherzer, but I don't know. I haven't watched that much baseball yet. Right? I do like that uh, that one reliever from the Yankees. Uh, it's Green. Chad Green. Chad Green. Oh yeah, they tried to use him as an opener on that last game. Yeah, he pitched every position, I think. He started, relieved, and he closed, from what I know. Yep. So the- yeah, the, the, this guy's a beast. He's good, but, you know, actually, the, I think the, the strength of the Yankees organizations, not just the bad thing, but their uh, bullpen. Their bullpen is actually kind of good. Yeah, the starting rotation is kind of crap, are good. but the relievers <laughs> are really good. Yeah, the relievers are really good. They're, just, they're like the Oakland. They're like the Oakland Athletics, but with much better batting. All right, I thought this was a basketball podcast, so we talked about everything else but basketball, so let's get on with the games. Uh, first game of the season, it was uh, the New Orleans Pelicans versus the Toronto Raptors on their ring night. So Toronto Raptors, uh, they got their rings on their home floor today. Kyle Lowry rocking that bling. I, I know you've seen that video where he, uh, he showed off the ring. And uh, yeah, they outlast the New Orleans Pelicans, 122-130. This is without Zion, though. So Zion, uh, as we have feared, Carlo, uh, out Mm -hmm. 68 weeks with a meniscus Uh. tear, which is, uh, you know what it screams? Uh, It screams Brandon Roy, baby, the meniscus. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, based on some, I've I've read some tweets from from, uh, Shams. I read a tweet from Shams Charania. He said that uh, the Pelicans they are looking for they are looking they of course they're trying to you know to have a recovery plan for Zion. But the, but the key part is it's what does what what's not included on that plan is they're not planning to lose Zion's weight. Oh, I don't no. think I think that's a point of concern, but also a dilemma as well because the the reason why. You know, uh, Zion got so high up the uh, the rank, the rookie rankings, because his athleticism is diff- quite different from the players that we had during the past few years. I mean, he's a generation. I think it's is it too early to say he's a generational talent? But it's too early to say he's a generation. It's too early talent. to say that, but his athleticism is way off the charts. The way that he, you know. The way that he handles his body, even though he's so heavy, he he can still he was he was still able to be agile, to both be agile and quick with the ball. 
and uh, I think it's a, a dilemma for how the New Orleans, the New Orleans Pelicans were gonna handle that situation. I mean, if you if you're gonna look at it, do you, would you would you try to retain this big chunky guy, and you know reap the fruits of a uh, you know having having all those having that kind of athletic athletic player on your team? Or just choose, or try to go for long term and see how he will try to change his play if if he's gonna lose weight. But if you if you ask me, I'm gonna choose the latter because, like I said, you it's it's a he he is a he's a freak of nature. But but still, you know, you may want to, uh, you know, develop and uh, you know and nurture your asset in a way that. His career, you know, his career could last long. I mean, we don't want to see another Brandon Roy, Greg Oden, Derrick Rose kind of situation right here. Yeah, I mean, I I completely agree with you. But to play devil's advocate, so we just have a little bit of conversation going. If you make like, what does he weigh right now? Two sixty. Uh, I think it's two fifty. Two fifty to two forty to two fifty. Two fifty. So a comfortable weight for him at six six would probably be around let's say two two twenty five two twenty. Mm, yeah. That's ideal. That's, it's, that's that's ideal, but that's but that's so far away. Even though right. even if we're talking about pounds, I mean that's that's so, that's so far away. He, he, I think I think the best choice for him is to yeah try to lose weight. Yeah. I mean your quickness, the quickness will still be there. And uh, I don't know if you the although the strength that we got will will I think it won't be much of a factor. I mean because... that, that's that's my that's gonna be my point actually is he got to the NBA by overpowering people with his power and weight. Now if you take away his power and weight, he's not the prospect that you thought he would be, isn't he? That's not the reason why you got him. You got him because he was so dominating, he was so big that nobody could stop him. And if you trim down on his weight, sure, he's going to have probably a safer bet on his knees. It's going to be way easier on his knees, but you also take away what makes him good. Mm, yeah. I mean, he's also a smart player, so he doesn't he doesn't usually play, you know, he doesn't play like R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett is different because whenever, when, when I saw Zion's stats during the preseason, those were, those were actually good stats. He's very efficient on the floor, good defense and you know, good floor vision as well. So I have high hopes for him if we're gonna exclude those injuries, because he doesn't he's, he hasn't even played an official game and, so, and he's already in. I think that's a point. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's a point to consider. Yeah, well, uh, let's talk about the rest of his teammates, especially his. Uh, well, the the star of this team, Jeru Holiday, uh, he did not have a good night. Uh, yeah, this opening night I, only thirteen four and six with forty one minutes played. Actually, he played yeah, a lot. I was, I was monitoring his game because I have two teams. I have two of my fantasy teams have him as a starter. And yeah, I'm not happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean this guy I'm is happy. this guy is a border first round pick, early second round pick, right? Yep. And I'm so frustrated because. Um, I was looking at first quarter, second quarter, and I, and I said, "What the hell? Why hasn't he scored yet?" Although, yeah, it isn't his scoring that's you know that I'm really uh, looking forward to. I mean, it's the uh, more more of the steals and the turnover points because he has a low turnover rate for assist, and unfortunately, during this game, he already has five turnovers. Mm-hmm. It has zero steals. That's a big deal. A silver lining for it was that he had two blocks, so I think that's kind of great. But he shot like forty percent on the floor, and one of six from the three-point range. I mean, he's not really thing. like a three-point shooter anyway. Uh, if if he's in the zone, I think he can shoot threes. But what what's what's uh, bugging me the most is his shots the shot selection mm. or I think we can attribute this to the uh, Toronto Raptors defense because mm. uh, if you're if you're if you're looking at their defensive rating I mean their guards uh, really smothered him uh, Fred van Bleet uh, Terence Davis and Kyle Lowry they have actually high pretty good 
defensive rating numbers right here. Only, especially Terrence Davis, he, you know, he played 15, 15 minutes, but he like allowed like 90, 95 points for 100 possessions. I mean, that's a huge, that's a huge number for a uh, bench player mm. if you have that kind of uh, defensive rate. I mean, the lower defensive rating you have, the better. Right. Uh, let's try and move on to the, the LA boys. Uh, of course, uh, from the uh, Pelicans. So it's Ingram, Ball, and Josh Hart. Ingram had a fantastic night, 22, 5, and 5. Josh Hart had a double-double, 15, and 10. Lonzo, 8, 5, and 5. Not as stellar as Ingram and Josh Hart, but these guys, they're finally free from the pressure of uh, playing against, uh, playing with LeBron James and the bright lights of Los Angeles. And they're shining. Mm, yeah. I completely agree with you on that, especially uh, looking at Brandon Ingram. I mean, uh, if you, if we're looking at on a fantasy standpoint, he's actually a very he's a more of a late mid rounds kind of pick. Mm. But uh, the stats that he showed here is actually pretty impressive. Although his plus minus, he was plus minus, he was minus nineteen. But I, I, I don't mind. It's just the first game. Mm-hmm. He had a uh, very, fairly decent, decent shooting clip because you know at this point, at this game, he is the he he was on that role of being the main scorer of the team because you know because yeah Zion is Zion is absent, mm-hmm. so he took that role actually kind kind of well. I mean, if it's you know, they had like a fairly. Uh, Awful stretch on overtime. Well, if you're facing against a very experienced team like the Toronto Raptors, I think I think that's bound to happen. And sure. it, it, it was so apparent as well in uh, in OT the inexperience of uh, New Orleans compared to the composure shown by the Toronto Raptors. New, New Orleans was forcing everything. Toronto they let the game come to them, and that's why they got uh, like it was like threes after three. Eh? Like when they got tied up or close. Uh, at like 120 and like Toronto just hit every shot down the stretch yeah actually you're right and also they had tons of turnovers if you're gonna if you're looking at the stats uh, Drew Holiday like I said he has 5 turnovers hmm. JJ Reddick he has the second highest number of turnovers on the team even though he's just a catch and shoot kind of player and Although he had a great shooting night, it's four of six. And if you're gonna look at the highlights of JJ Redick during that game, it's uh, it's outrageous how is he how he does that kind of uh, off the dribble. Because back when he was in Philly, you kind of see him more of a catch and shoot type of player. Yeah. But during he during this game, I saw him like I saw him do most of the, you know the off the dribble, pull up shots, even though he's. His uh, shoot, his feet are in balance. He, it's more. It's I think it's more purely because of because of his. Uh, he trained his upper body strength to handle the momentum after, you know, he he's running and then catch. I mean, it's it's kind of difficult to position your uh, legs properly after if you're if you want to take off a quick shot and a quick release, so. I don't. I, I don't know. I just, I'm just fanboying on JJ Redick at this point. Yeah. So let's uh, try and move on to the Raptors. So I don't know what's a bigger story here. Pascal Siakam, 34 and 18, with five assists, Damn. or Jesus tying Christ. tying him uh, as the league leader in points right now. Fred Van Vliet out of nowhere, 34, five and seven. Holy <laughs> Jesus, man. I mean, with Siakam, you expect him to kind of uh, increase his uh, scoring, his potential, his uh, role in this team. Because, uh, of course, the uh, the best player right now has left their team. The best player in the NBA has left their team in Kawhi Leonard. So, obviously, his uh, size in the team is going to be magnified. But Fred Van Vliet, man, he's not supposed to score this much, and he did. Do you know what I noticed, uh, uh, if you're if you're gonna look at the percentages, Fred Van Vliet shot over sixty seven percent on the floor, five of seven from three, and he only like came to the free throw free from the free to the free throw line like three times. In contrast to Pascal Siakam, he Pascal Siakam had like ten free throw shots made, and same as Kyle Lowry as well. So if you're gonna ask me, I think Fred Van Vliet should be the player of the match right here because he because of his efficiency on the court and he played like forty four minutes. 
even though the game went through overtime, I mean that's kind of whole. Uh, that's a whole lot of time. I did it to be honest. I did it actually expect him to start on a shooting guard spot because I think they're using like a dual point guard kind of lineup. I'm not sure. Um, although yeah, Pascal Siakam, he had uh, like Giannis, Giannis type of numbers. Yeah. That's if if you're gonna if you're not gonna include his his field goal percentage because I think it's pretty bad. He shot like eleven of twenty six, but they got the win. He got the numbers, and you 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 finally got got to understand why the Toronto Raptors gave him a, a four year max contract. Hmm. Uh, some concerning things here. Uh, two stand out to me. Uh, it this game uh obviously went to overtime. Uh, the Raptors only played eight players, so there's uh, one, two, three, four, five players that are DNPCD. So I guess it's mm. <laughs> it's, it's looking like the rocket system, <laughs> like the eight-player yeah. rotation. And yeah. uh, their prize at center, Marcus Gasol, played 32 minutes. He only had six and four. Shot 22 percent <laughs> in the field, two of nine. So he didn't. Uh, he wasn't feeling it this uh, this day. Uh, what do you think is the overall impact of Marcus All in this team? Do you think of, obviously he's not going to be the scoring option, but it, it's still Marcus All. He can handle uh, a scoring load if uh, if it's placed upon him. But with like, I think Fred Van Vliet's not going to have nights like this very often. So the six points may be a fluke. So I'm thinking maybe around twelve points a game, twelve and eight guy Marcus All this year. Yeah. Also. Uh, yeah, I, I think you're correct. And um, also, uh, I just want to highlight that uh, Mark Gasol usually does a lot of things behind the scenes. I mean, uh, most of the balls that most of their plays, the the plays that they run, involve uh, Mark Gasol, mm. like likely a point center kind of role. Mm. Although he's not, he's not more more or less he's not the assist guy, but. Um, there's always a part in the play where he he gets to have the ball and he kind he kind of you know uh conduct the offense because uh he even though he's a center he is actually quite a good floor vision like mm. his brother and um, it doesn't really reflect much on the stats but uh in game in game you feel it. yeah in game if you're if you're part of the if you're uh, if you're part of the team, you're gonna feel the impact because he creates so much play. He he creates so much space in the floor. Although he didn't shot that quite that well, I think yeah. Th- I think that's why you're you're saying he the the points might be a fluke as well as the rebounds. I mean, I don't, actually, that gave me an idea. How the hell did Siakam get all those rebounds? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he's working. It's his first game of the season, so the rotation could maybe uh, be off use. I mean, if you look, if you look at this, if you look at the game, Pascal Siakam also fouled out during mm. overtime. So yeah, I think that's a. I think that's also a factor. I'm not sure. Mm. I mean, the the I think Nick Nick Nurse is gonna find a way how to make this rotation kind of work. Because some of the players that did not play, I think they they, they could have serviceable roles, and on the team, I think the the only problem with these players is they they are not really a good offensive option hmm. apart from uh, Stanley Johnson and Chris Boucher. Hmm. Because I don't know, maybe most of the players are either the D League or rookies, so I don't know. Yeah, hard to tell. Hard to tell with limited information. Mm-hmm. We have we have we only have like a very small sample size. I mean, it's yeah. the first day of, I mean, it's the first day of the season. So, what 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 can we expect? Yeah, and uh, let's move on to the second and arguably arguably the bigger uh, game of the night: the Los Angeles Clippers versus the L.A. Lakers. Uh, kind of weird because this was uh, touted to be the LA Clippers home game, but uh, like three fourths of the crowd uh, were wearing LA Lakers jerseys. Kind of weird. Kind of a sad day for those fans because LA, the Lakers lost by 10, 102, <laughs> 112. Clippers coming out on top. Kawhi Leonard scoring 30 in his uh, debut game. So let's talk about the Clippers here. No Paul George. He was dressed very nicely. 
he had that uh i don't know the necklace that he had the, was like uh yeah the tux yeah the tux and like the necklace it was like a bow tie it was like made of gold mm. it was very shiny with diamonds on it and it had it was shaped like a bow tie it's very cool very Ooh. swaggy oh yeah there's a drip we should I, I wish i could afford that kind of drip <laughs> no if i had that money yeah probably Okay, so um, one thing that uh, I saw what what this game showed is the uh, weakness. It's, I think this 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 game showed much more of the weakness of the Lakers squad rather than what Kawhi Leonard just did to them. Mm-hmm. Because uh, if you're if we if you watch the game, the Lakers actually had a great uh, actually had a great start. They were up like seven nil or twelve two. I'm not sure. Mm. Uh, they were up for quite a lot during the first half of the game. Uh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis really wiped the floor on the uh, on the uh, Clippers starters, and uh, the the only ugly thing that happened on that Lakers lineup is you see you, you see the problem. You see the problem, and, and I'm and I'm and I'm not just talking about uh, KCP. The lineup still has vis- They basically have no. They have zero chemistry, mm. and uh, chemi- and the bench prop. The bench problem is gonna hound them for the entire season, because what this team does is I think they only rely on LeBron James and Anthony Davis to make the plays mm. although Anthony, although Danny Green played well he shot like 70 he shot like 78% from the three point line but to be honest Danny Green is a coin flip on yeah. the offensive on, on, on offense you can you can expect a big contribution from him on the defensive end but honestly this guy and I know and I know him for sure because he played Played for my team, played for the Spurs. Ugh, skip Bayless he, team. Yeah, he's just he's a he's a coin flip on the offensive side because there are nights where he shoots he shoots too much and it could be detrimental to the team. And there is also a uh, yeah, Kentavious Caldwell Pope played really bad. He played like twenty seven minutes and he had zero points. Five fouls and I think the only the only good thing that came from him are the assists and the and the and the rebounds, but but I mean you know he played twenty seven minutes. You could have at least you know had a, scored uh, one maybe. Scored, <laughs> he he did not even score one. He only he attempted like, like two three point shots, and those those shots all of the all of the shots he took were open. I mean if you if you're missing open shots, there there, there should be a problem with you. Right. And uh, uh, I know you're saying. Yeah, because this the going back to your point that the bench. Is absolutely horrendous for this uh, this this Los Angeles Lakers squad, and that's uh that's part uh, partly because uh, Kuzma's out, right? Because there are times that you have to rest Anthony Davis and LeBron James at the same time, and there was this one stretch. I think it was just uh, before uh, the end of the second quarter where they had this is the lineup that they had on the floor. They had. Uh, Quinn Cook, Jared Dudley, uh, Danny Green, JaVale McGee, and like, I forget who the other one is. But you see the problem there, right? They, <laughs> yeah, they, look, like, they look like a G League team without yeah. either LeBron or Anthony Davis uh, in the you lineup. You know, the, the, funny thing, the funny thing is, you know, uh, I'm, not, I'm not actually taking a job at Lakers fans, but they were actually quite optimistic with the way the free agency was handled because... If you're if we're looking at the if you're just lo- gonna look at the names, okay, remove the stats, just look at the names. It could it actually looks like a d- decent bench. Jared Dudley is a good uh, he is a good uh, back um, what do you call that a lot of good locker room presence. Mm-hmm. Quinn Cook he is good when back when he was in the Golden State. He Boys, needs he, to develop a bit. Yeah, but the problem is if you're playing on a LeBron James team, there's no space to develop. You're always you the team you're on, they're always expect to expected to make the playoffs. And if you're a rookie on the you know with that kind of pressure, unless you're Magic Johnson or Michael Jordan, then it's gonna be it's gonna be detrimental to your development. You know, yeah. if if the if the media, the fans, the front office expects you to make the playoffs right away, but. Um, 
Yeah, he, some of these guys, they need to develop. Alex Caruso is injured. Zach Norville, he, he is a, a two-way contract, so he, he will not be able to play that much. And uh, who, who are the names today? Oh, right. They also have Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard is fairly invisible this game. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. The fouls didn't go his way. Uh, I watched I watched this game. Uh, oh, right. He had four fouls. Yeah, he had two quick ones in the second quarter, I think. And it wasn't oh. actually his fault. It was just kind of how the, way the game went. And uh, my, the biggest concern for me and this team is uh, let's look at Anthony Davis stats uh, that's pretty good 25 and 10 2 blocks that's probably what he's gonna get maybe a little bit more points maybe more efficiency LeBron James 18, 9, and 8 probably gonna up the scoring a bit Danny Green is not supposed to score 28 he's mm-hmm. supposed to score like 10 or 11 yeah <laughs> he can he, he has like, uh, on average he has like 2 to 3 point made 3 pointers made and like 5 attempted normally mm-hmm. but uh, I think uh, I think this is the reason why uh, the people or the everybody else consider the Clippers as you know the better team I mean don't mm-hmm. get me wrong LeBron James and Anthony Davis they're still the best duo in the entire NBA but um, for me and uh, in my point of view uh, a good defensive team will always be the better team Hmm. Uh, if we're gonna look at the defensive ratings, the entire starting five of the uh, Los Angeles Clippers they had like a below a 120 defensive rating, while on the uh, Clippers side they have like Avery Bradley was supposed to be their best defensive, one of their best defensive players, but he has like he's a liability on defense on the uh, when he was on the Los Angeles Lakers starters. Uh, as as you can expect, Kawhi Leonard he had the lowest the, he had the best defensive rating on that uh, starters on those starters, and also I want to highlight uh, Montrez Harrell and Maurice Hartless. Mm. These guys, you know, they 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 actually did a really good job trying to shackle Anthony Davis during that third and fourth quarter stretch because by that time. Uh, if you're looking at Anthony Davis, the way he played during the first, uh, first, second, first half and the second half. During the first half, he used to post up a lot. Hmm. But you know, if you're, uh, if you, if you, if you played as a center, you know, it's very uh, taxing physically. If you're always getting banged up inside the paint, hmm. even though you're not running that much. You, 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 I can bet on it that you will oh, that you will always feel tired every time you post up. So I think uh, stamina took on a toll, took a toll on him, and mm. you can also consider the fact that it's just the first game of the season, so their fitness levels may not be at the peak as of this moment. But uh, I think yeah, the lack of relief in scoring uh, was that was the bane of the Lakers during that uh, second stretch. I mean, uh, if we if we're gonna look at it, it was Danny Green who kept them in the game. Yeah. If it if if it wasn't for him, I think this is gonna be a blowout. Much much, you know, much uh, larger lead for the Clippers. If you really think about it, like I said, it was, he would normally score like 10, 11. Let's give let's give him a benefit of a doubt, like eleven points of the game. So that is uh, eleven minus twenty eight. Uh, 18, 17, wait, what? Is that right? 17 points? So the Lakers mm-hmm. would be down 17 points right now. So it was actually, the score would be 90 to 112. If uh, Danny Green scored the regular amount, he would be scoring. I don't know if I did the math right. I'm very sorry if I did. Uh, so this just highlights the fact that they need a third option in this team. Kyle Kuzma is supposed to fill that role, but he is certainly not there. If you look at this, the depth of this lineup, it's Anthony Davis and LeBron James. What happens if they have an off night? Who's going to catch the, the offensive load here? <laughs> Literally no mm-hmm. one. Yeah, correct. I was yeah. expecting, like, uh, I was expecting improvements from uh, Caldwell Pope. But I think I rated him too highly before this game, <laughs> to be honest. And uh, another, another. Th- if you're gonna look at the bench points, I mean, the Clippers combined bench, uh, I think 38, 
48. They had 60 points. Mm. 60 points from that clip. Half of them, almost more than half. Actually, more than half of the points scored by the Clippers was from their bench. Mm. I think that alone speaks a lot on the amount of depth that the Clippers have, even though they played the less amount of uh, bench players. I mean, uh, the Lakers, they have uh, played like five, they, they fielded five bench players. Meanwhile, uh, only Clippers only fielded four. And, uh, if, and, and Zubats played only like 10 minutes and he was fairly useless throughout the game. I wonder why. And, I don't, yeah, actually, I think he had a hard time going up against uh, Anthony Davis because Davis is a much quicker center, even though Zubats is large, he's big. But he, it's dif- it's fairly difficult to you know to match up with Anthony Davis because of his speed and agility. And what uh, Doc Rivers, the genius of Doc Rivers, they put up, they put him up against Mo Harkless and Jamichael Green because mm-hmm. these two are one of the best best defensive players on their bench. If you, if you watch the game, um, actually. And Anthony Davis had a hard time whenever these two guys, you know, double team him, and he's he's gonna be forced into a jumper or you know uh, trying to force out a pass, which eventually gets stealed by their guards. I mean, it's a if you're gonna watch the <clears throat> if you're watch if you if you watch the game, you can see the beauty of the Clippers defense on work during those uh, final quarters. And that and that's something to really note about here. The Los Angeles Lakers they went up possibly against the uh, best defense in all of the NBA. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, if this is a sign of things to come, then oof, Lakers they need to they need to step up their game. Uh, let's yeah. go over here to the Los Angeles Clippers, and it's quite the opposite of what we saw um, when we looked at the bench, the roster of the Los Angeles Lakers. Unlike the Lakers, these guys can actually score top to bottom. We've got like maybe not so much in the uh, in the starting lineup because they've got only Kawhi Leonard. Maybe Landry Shamit can get uh, hot sometimes. Maybe Zubats can score a little more than eight. But Harold, Lou Williams, J. Michael Green, Maurice Harkless, these guys can score. They can give, they can give you any any where from like 10 to 15 to even maybe mm. like 20 20 plus points a game but these yeah. guys are pretty reliable it started off with uh, of course Patrick Beverly uh, sorry Lou Williams classic Lou sweet Lou 21 5 and 7 shooting 57% this is just a classic Lou Williams line is it not yeah uh, you know you see he has like uh, so he had 7 assists which is kind of good because uh, once the once Lou Williams and Harold are on board, they're like Batman and Robin because the two of those they make a very good pick and roll. Uh, they, they they make a they make a good pick and roll partnership. Most of the most of the plays that they did was to take advantage of the uh, confusion on the defense on the Lakers side because uh, the Lakers they are very poor. In defensive on on uh, their defensive transitions, especially during switching and uh, during uh, fast break plays, uh, th- that's why uh, the Clippers took advantage. After the Lakers, after the Clippers took advantage of that, m- much of those uh, defensive rotational errors caused mismatches. So uh, Harold is so good at finding him at putting himself into positions where there's always a mismatch so what happens is once he gets once he gets the ball there's always it's always it's always going to be a smaller player that's that's where he was posting up and yeah that's that's how it happened if you if you watch the game it's actually pretty fun to watch because uh most of the time it's uh most most of the time it was uh jared dudley who got bullied a lot yeah he he got wrecked. He got actually. wrecked. Yeah, yeah. He, he was falling all over the place. That's why, yeah. if I saw correctly, he is. Uh, yeah, he's a negative twenty, and <laughs> his plus minus is negative twenty right now, uh, at least for this game. Uh, of course, we don't need to talk about Kawhi Leonard. He was a typical Kawhi Leonard, thirty six, thirty six and five 
on an efficient 52.6. Uh, what I really want to talk about is, of course, let's go back to Montres Harrell and uh, Lou Williams. I thought these guys would run out of a job because the big guys have come. Kawhi Leonard and, of course, Paul George isn't here yet, but it's very encouraging to see that uh, they're, they're still scoring. This is still a little bit of the heart and soul that we saw from the Clippers last season where there's the grit and grind. We saw flashes of that there. And uh, it's so nice to see uh, J. Michael Green here as well. I think he's a perfect fit. He's a big body that can shoot a three. Uh, (laughs) His battle with uh, Anthony Davis uh, this game was pretty hilarious because sometimes uh, Anthony Davis would score on him and then J. Michael Green would come back down on the offensive and like shoot a three right in uh, Mm, a... Davis's face he's not afraid he's not afraid of the the big uh, the big lights and going up against bigger players so I think he is somebody to watch out for here in the bench of the Clippers as if like their bench is not loaded enough uh, Harold Williams yeah. and then now Green yeah. as well Harkless to an excellent oh. defensive uh, defensive player here also uh, I just want to add uh, during the second half LeBron James and Anthony Davis Combined 11 points on the second half. Wow. LeBron James only scored four points on the second half. And uh, I don't know. Like I said, like I said, uh, that Clippers defense, eventually, it will gas you out. Uh. Because the way Pat Beverly, uh, you know, the, all, the, all, the, all, the, all the energy guys on that uh, Clippers team, they will run you off. Even though you're you had a good perform you have good performance in the first quarter, second quarter, but their defense they won't they're relentless. They won't stop on you. They will hound on you on the whole during the whole game. So uh, if you if you look at Anthony Davis' face after the game, you can see he's he's gassed out. He's so tired. They're gonna have better offensive uh, offensive matchups. Uh, for mm, yeah. like other than the Clippers, yeah, I think I think the the point of I think that's where you see the the point of improvement, the area that you know, the Lakers could improve is maybe uh, defensively, defensive rotations, and as well as maybe maybe uh, you know try to create more because you cannot really rely rely alone to create baskets because. The other, the West is gonna kill you if you play like that. I mean, yeah, the for Anthony Davis, the load of scoring is is lifted off him, but he's still gonna be the the center point of that Lakers offense. Mm. But uh, like I said, uh, relying on him, relying on those two alone won't win you the championship. Much of much of that is gonna be focused on, you know, trying to fix your defense first mm. and trying to figure out a rotation that works for the team. Uh, acknowledge what roles you're gonna receive, and you know, just try to try to play well. I mean, there are there are times where open shots can be missed, but you know, try to minimize those because uh, during that fourth quarter stretch, there are tons of open shots made. I mean, LeBron. LeBron found these players a lot, but you know they weren't making their shots. Yeah. Well, okay. So I think we uh, pretty much covered all of the games that we yeah. had today. So I'm gonna send you actually a link. I should have done this uh, earlier on. Uh, I don't know if you're gonna like this uh, this link that I'm gonna send because it's not. Um, I just found it on Google. So I, I, I actually sent it over on our Discord. So this is going to be the schedule for the next set of games. Oh, there are a lot of games tomorrow. Yes, Ooh, there's a lot of games like tomorrow. This. So uh, can you pick out the games that you would like to see uh, for tomorrow? What's to watch um, out? I'm biased. I'm biased. But yes. uh, I I could have said immediately Spurs versus Knicks because those are my two favorite Ooh. teams. But oh yes, the most yeah. But but uh, I'll be honest. The the best matchup that I see uh, next. To, I mean tomorrow, are seventy uh, sixers going up against the Celtics. Hmm. Uh, both of these teams they have uh, de- debuting players. Uh, the Sixers have Josh Richardson, who was one of the th- was one of the best players on the Miami Heat last season, and Boston Celtics. 
Kemba Walker. Mm. Debut. Suiting up. He's suiting up for the green and white, so it's it's a uh, it's a great thing to look forward to. Mm. Uh, I would have said the Trailblazers and the Nuggets because you know it's my team, the Nuggets. But I think not much uh, has changed, uh, even though I think it's gonna be a pretty pretty good game. But I think not it's much an interesting has matchup. changed. Yeah, but the the game that I would actually like to see are the Suns and the Kings. These guys are Ooh. gonna be entertaining. Are you saying? Are you are you being sarcastic or no, bro? Because because these guys have the potential for a very good storyline this season. Because if I feel like the Suns have some sort of hidden potential that they have in their lineup, they've got Ubre, they've got Booker, and they've got Aiton. And I think if those guys stay healthy and play well, they could make the eighth seed, which was the exact same Ooh. position that the Kings were last year. Obviously, they signed majority of the the guys that they have. They have Fox Healed and Bagley, so I think yeah. this is gonna be a freaking good match. I think match. I think uh, I think Marvin Bagley is gonna have a breakout season this year mm-hmm. because much of last last year he was, I think he what 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 uh what coaches call that a uh, red shirting season if you're familiar with the term. What is? Can you please explain it? Uh, red shirting is normally it's normally used in a college basketball when a transferring player, you know, he takes off a year of residency. Mm-hmm. He doesn't play for the actual team. He can go to practices, but he doesn't but he doesn't play for the team yet. He, he sure. doesn't get to play the Division 1 games, but he's already part of the team. They call it mm-hmm. redshirting. So one uh, year, one year of like try being a underling of some sorts. Uh, on on the NBA side, uh, redshirting is more like a, even though you're a top rookie, you will not get the starting spot because you're gonna be like under a more senior player. Right. Okay. Usually, it usually happens on. It does happen all the time, but. Um, it usually has a good effect on sev- on some players that get red- redshirted. For example, uh, who they have in mind? Uh, damn, I forgot. Uh, there was this there was this one player who was always who was benched during his first season, but after second uh, during his second season, he came up. Guns of place. Oh right, Deontay Murray. You know, oh, okay. Do you remember Deontay Murray? Uh, he when he was a rookie. Uh, he actually it was it was actually kind of actually a half red shirt year because uh, half of the year Tony Parker was starting and then after after the second after All Star break he was given the starting spot by Pop after Parker got injured so yeah it it's beneficial for some players and if you do that for top picks especially for big men because big men they usually take a lot of time to develop. And already Marvin Bagley is already playing quite. Well. He was playing very well last season. Made the made the All NBA first rookie rookie first team, mm-hmm. while playing twenty minutes per game. I think I think that's a. I think yeah. Since he's gonna be the starter now for the Sacramento Kings, I think he's gonna have a breakout year this season. All right, uh, Carlo. I want you to pick one more game for like until Sunday. What is the oh. best game to pick here? Because I am gonna do the inverse, which is gonna be the crap game of uh, the schedule. So oh. I'm gonna pick. Uh, it's gonna be on Saturday, Saturday morning, uh, Philippine time. The Thunder versus the Wizards. So nobody. Thunder. <laughs> Thunder versus the Wizards. Yeah, mm. I think that's gonna be the crap game of the schedule. Yep. And yep. So any well, one okay, game so, you're interested in? Hmm. It's easy to say Rockets versus the Bucks, but mm, I think uh, Jazz Thunder. Why? I think that's a good game to watch. Uh, tons of debuting players as well. Yeah, uh, the the new Thunder squad. I mean, I, even though you had them as a boring team, I mean. For me, I think there's this is gonna be a good team to watch. Jazz because, is so much better than the Thunder, though. Yeah, well, I I can't say I, I can't say yet. I mean, right. depends depends it depends on the game tomorrow. I'm gonna watch it for sure. All right, I'm gonna uh, closely I'm gonna closely monitor the careers of those young players. 
and how will they develop under Chris Paul's shadow? Uh, what do you know? We actually both picked a game to watch in Jazz Thunder and a game not to watch in the, the Wizards and the Thunder. Wizards and the Thunder, yep. Perfect. All right, guys, I think that's going to be it for us here at the backboard. Uh, catch us again on Sunday. Uh, it's actually, we uploaded on Sunday super late, like 12 a.m. So catch us on Monday morning while you're on your commute to work. And uh, I guess that's going to be it for us here. We'll see you on the Sunday show. See you guys. All right. Thank you. See ya. Goodbye.